Hello and welcome to the Japan Archives, a podcast where we'll be delving into the histories and mythologies from Japan's long history. I'm your host, Thomas. And I'm your co-host, Heather. We'll also be reading a poem for you every week and giving a little history about the poet who wrote it. Ikimashou! Hello everyone, welcome back to the Japan Archives, episode 38. This week we're going to be telling you the little tale of Hachiko, the famous dog of Japan. And as usual, Heather, what do you already know on this subject today? There is a statue in Shibuya, and for the purposes of this podcast, that is the only thing I am going to say I know. So I'm guessing you already know quite a bit then. You just don't want to ruin the story. I am eagerly awaiting your tale. Okay. Avoiding avoiding answering the question. That's fine. That's fine. So to tell the story of Hachiko, it's no doubt also good to know a little bit about the man who raised him, I think. This man was known as Hide Saburo Ueno. Uh, this man was actually born... January 19th, 1872, and he lived all the way until May 21st, 1925. Ueno-san studied at the Tokyo Imperial University, where he eventually graduated, having studied in the agricultural department there. And after his graduation, he moved on to study agricultural engineering, as well as some research into like farm implements and farm implementation. Once again, after graduating, he moved on, eventually finding himself as a professor where he actually first studied. So he went back to teach at the Tokyo Imperial University, and there he taught within the agricultural department. So I guess in a way you could say his life had come full circle. He devoted himself to teaching different things, such as reclamation engineering for farmland, as well as arable land readjustment looking into drainage systems for farming. And actually, after the 1923 Kanto earthquake, the technologies he had actually devised from his studies into arable land reclamation, they were used to help Japan on the road to recovery. So his research was actually quite useful to Japan overall. Sadly, his life did end in 1925, when he suffered from a cerebral hemorrhage, actually, while he was giving a lecture at the time at the university. And his body was finally laid to rest in Aoyama Cemetery, which can actually be found in Tokyo. And you can visit his grave to this day. Interestingly, I found out that this was one of Japan's first public cemeteries and is actually one of the few in Tokyo, in Japan overall, which actually has a section devoted to allowing the burial of foreigners in Japan. So that was a little bit about the life of Ueno-san, so I guess now it's time to turn to Hachiko. Hachiko, as we know, he's one of the more famous dogs in Japan. He's known as the dog who waited, and he was born November 10th, 1923, and he actually lived all the way up until March 8th, 1935. His breed was the type known as the Japanese Akita dog, which I think perhaps is 
quite well known, even outside of Japan. He was born originally in Akita Prefecture, which is where this type of dog actually gets its name from. In 1924, he was eventually brought to Tokyo by Ueno-san. And a little bit about how Hachiko actually looked. We know that he was two foot one in height. He weighed around 90 pounds and his fur was a golden light brown. But upon his face, it actually changed to a peach white color. Many years later, it was also found out that Hachiko was actually one of only 30 purebred Akita dogs left in Japan. And we know that as Hachiko grew up with Ueno-san, he, he actually loved his owner very much. And every day he would meet Ueno-san at Shibuya Station after his commute home from Tokyo University. And then, of course, the two of them would walk home together. This sadly all changed on 1925 when Ueno-san actually, like we said, he died at work whilst giving a lecture. And Hachiko, of course, not knowing this, proceeded to venture to Shibuya Station that day only to find that his owner never reappeared. Now, if you recall, I said that Hachiko did not actually die himself until 1935. And actually in those preceding nine years from the death of his owner until his own death, we know that quite heartbreakingly, I suppose, that Hachiko every day until the day of his death did actually return to Shibuya Station, hoping once again to see Ueno-san. Every day he would go and patiently wait hoping that Ueno-san would appear once more through the station gate so that they could walk home together once more. I think rather sadly at first, the dog who waited was not necessarily treat with kindness from the people who frequented or even worked at the station at the time, though of course there would have been some who had grown used to the dog over these few years and didn't mind his presence. And it actually wasn't until 1932, so at this point Hachiko had been dealing with the unkindness of people for around seven years as he was still waiting for Ueno-san. Um, it was then that an article was actually written about Hachiko in the Asahi Shimbun. And it was because of this article that people's attitudes began to change towards the little dog and they began to actually bring him treats to keep him nourished during his never-ending wait. The article, interestingly enough, was actually written by an old student of Ueno-san by the name of Hirokichi Saito. When Hachiko's story was finally told in that news article, the people of Japan actually saw them saw a lot of themselves in this animal. Obviously, the ideas of familial loyalty or basically loyalty in general to your country and to your job, as well as the ideas of faithfulness. And soon parents and teachers around the country began to use this story to teach these ideas to their own children and to others. His faithfulness even became a national symbol for loyalty in Japan. As we said, Hachiko did die in 1935 and his body was actually found on a street in the Shibuya area. I'm not quite sure which street it was, so whether he was walking to the station or walking home from the station. And it actually wasn't until quite recently, in 2011, that the actual cause of Hachiko's death was finally decided upon. They discovered that not only did Hachiko have an infection known as heartworm, but he was also dealing with terminal cancer at the time. So these two factors eventually led to his death. 
Additionally, we do know that there was actually four yakitori skewers actually found in his stomach after his death, but they have ruled out these as a determining factor. His remains were finally cremated and his ashes were taken to Aoyama Cemetery where they were allowed to be laid to rest with his master, Ueno-san. And I found out that his fur was actually preserved after his death and it was eventually stuffed and mounted to be displayed permanently in the National Science Museum I was going to ask you, Heather, I've been to this museum before, but I've never actually seen Hachiko there. I, I, maybe it's because I didn't actually know at the time he was there, so I didn't know to look for it. I haven't been to the science museum yet. I've been to the history museum, but every time I want to go to the science museum, there's always a giant line outside. So let's just go to the history museum instead. I see. So I guess you have, you're not sure either then if he, what it looks like in person. I think it's kind of sad that they did this. I personally wouldn't have just cremated the dog wholly so he could be with his master. I'm not sure why they decided to take his fur and taxidermy him. I'm thinking more of that they could then show children on school trips that this was the dog who was loyal and they can maybe learn from it more but I personally wouldn't have done that I would have just taught the story instead maybe that's just my personal belief though I don't know what you would what you think about that I tend to agree with you I don't yeah it doesn't it doesn't feel quite right to have his his fur taxidermied I think I I agree with you I it, it's it's not what I would have chosen either. I mean, it's, it's, hmm. I, poor dog. <laughs> the poor dog was, you know, waited for so long and was treated badly for a while and then just died alone. And then also to have his fur stuffed. It's a lot for that poor little dog. <laughs> Thomas, I have a question. So we have Ueno-san. Was, was he married or was he single? So he was actually with a woman called Yaiko Sakano. They were together but they never married. Now interestingly I did do a bit of research on this woman so I will tell that now for you and how it relates to Hachiko. Uh, like I said her name was Yaiko Sakano and it's actually said that Hachiko did show great love and affection to her whenever they were actually together which goes to show that Hachiko did actually have a love for both his mother and his father. Sadly Though she did love him, and though she obviously did love Ueno-san, when she died in 1967 at the grand old age of 76, she was not actually laid to rest with Ueno-san or Hachiko, despite her requests to her family to actually be buried with them. It wasn't until, again quite recently, so not until 2013, that this actually changed. Records of Sakano-san's dying wish were rediscovered, and so the process of moving her remains actually began. The Ueno and the Sakano families both agreed immediately to this happening. However, it did take another two years to actually come to fruition due to the many layers of Japanese bureaucracy and regulations that there yes. are. Bureaucracy. Upon her reburial, I suppose I could say, with her partner and Hachiko, the two families were finally reunited again. And so I will, I suppose, end her tale and end the tale of Hachiko overall by reading two quotes that were actually said at the ceremony. 
and these are as follows. By putting the names of both on their grave, we can show future generations the fact that Hachiko had two keepers. To Hachiko, the professor was his father, and Yaiko was his mother. So there you have it. That is the story of Hachiko, the story of his mother and his father. I do have a few things that I can talk about for Hachiko's legacy in Japan and in the world, but I suppose before I do that, I'm just wondering, how do you feel about the story, Heather? Okay, so first of all, every time I hear the story, I, I definitely... Oh, my heart. <laughs> my heart. The poor Hachiko and poor Ueno-san dying really young. I mean, 53, especially in Japan, is, is quite young. And then, I mean, Hachiko and Ueno-san were only together for about a year before, it looks like maybe even a little over a year, but not that long before Ueno-san died. So it's, I mean, it's a, it's a beautiful story and like showing that, that love. And I, I didn't know the one thing I did not know was not familiar with that's new to me is um, Sakuno-san. Because I'd always wondered like why Hachiko went like by himself. Like why, why was there a dog walking by himself in the streets of Tokyo? Because um, there, I know I've been told that there are sometimes like wild dogs that do run around in Japan, especially around that time of the century. Tokyo was not as big. So the possibility of having like, you know, unaccompanied dogs running around might have been concerning for people. I mean, I don't, Shibuya, I'm assuming, was still pretty built up at that time. But I always wonder, like, why was this, why was Hachiko going by himself to the station? And who took care of him? Was he just sitting there? Like, so someone had to keep taking care of him after Ueno-san's death. So it's really nice to hear that Hachiko wasn't completely alone for those those nine years that I'm assuming he lived with, with Sakuno-san and she took care of him and made sure he was okay. So he still got love and affection. So that makes me feel so much better for Hachiko. And it is a little, it's really sad that after she died, she couldn't be together with him until so many years later. But it's nice. It's beautiful now that they're all together. So I mean, that that's... That's a, that's, oh. it's such a, it's a sad, it's a very sad story, but there's so many nice points to it that it, it just makes it, can't think of another adjective besides beautiful. I mean, the story itself, God, just, it's really inspiring. It really is inspiring. And I can see how it was used for children, for school children for, for so many years and for that family loyalty and for the bonds of like friendship and togetherness. It's a, it's a great story. I'm glad you think so. I I definitely agree. It's a sad story, but it's also I don't know if saying a good life lesson. I'm unsure if that's the right wording here. Yeah, it's kind of hard to describe without feeling like you're going to go into some cliche. Like you're going to use mm. some cliche to describe it, but I mean there's a reason why clichés are used so much because they do encapsulate a lot of feelings and emotions, but you don't always want to use a cliche even though that's what they're there for, so so, Hachiko's legacy, I suppose. Like we've already said, he was used as a figurehead of loyalty and faithfulness, but he has lived on in other ways. There are numerous statues that have been erected to Hachiko over time. The most famous one, no doubt, or at least I think, is the one that you can find outside Shibuya Station. This one was first erected in 1934, 
by a man known as Teru Ando. Unfortunately, it was melted down during World War II for the war effort, but a replacement was made in 1948 by the son of the original artist, actually, a man known as Takeshi Ando. We can also find two statues to Hachiko in his hometown of Odate. One is near the train station, and the other is situated outside the Akita Dog Museum. Another was created at Tokyo University, though this one obviously was where Ueno-san did work, so they have a statue of both Hachiko and Ueno-san, two standing together. And you can even find a statue of him in America, Heather. You can find a statue to him oh. on Rhode Island in a place called Woonsocket. Not familiar with Woonsocket. Are you sure you're American? You should know everywhere. I know Rhode Island. <laughs> okay. Woonsocket ha- there has a train station which they used in the making of the film known as Hachi, A Dog's Tale, starring Richard Gere. So they gifted a replica statue to them to place outside the train station. What else do we have? We actually have the sound of Hachiko's bark, oh, which was found upon a record which had unfortunately been broken into several pieces. However, after much trial and error and a bit of work, they did manage to lift the sound of his bark from it and actually preserve it. And on May 28th, 1994, millions of people actually tuned into the radio to hear Hachiko's bark for one last time as they played it on the radio for everyone. Oh, can you hear that bark now? Did they save it? You can still find it to this day. There's a few videos on YouTube that have it in super bad quality. I'll stick a link on the show notes if people are interested. But like I said, it's a very old video. Me and Heather did have a listen. It's difficult to pick out the bark, I think. It sounds more... Growlish, kind of like... Like a growly, not like a bark. But if you are, if you do want to watch it, we'll stick the link on there for you. But you have been warned. Super bad quality. The video looks like porridge, but there you go. (laughs) I've never heard that analogy before, and now I love it. Oh, I love it. I use that all the time when things look really bad or like pixelated. Like when your camera used to go bad when we'd record, (laughs) I would say it looks like porridge. I probably couldn't hear you because my internet was (laughs) Yeah. What else do we have, though? We have his statues. We have his bark. Shibuya Station has named one of their exits after Hachiko. It's called the Hachiko Gate. And in 2004, they even started four different bus routes. They run a minibus around the area. And these buses have been nicknamed the Hachiko Bus. And they have a little like caricature of Hachiko on the side of their buses. They're quite cute if you do see them driving around. And it's a really great place if you are meeting some friends in Tokyo and you have no idea where to meet. Just meet at the Hachiko stop because it's really easy to spot. It's like the go-to meeting place, so it's very helpful. On March 8th every year, apparently there is a small ceremony at the Hachiko statue, Shibuya Station. It's attended by people, especially dog lovers, who wish to go and honor the memory of Hachiko. There's been several films made. In 1987, there was one by the name of Hachiko Monogatari. In 2009, there was another film made, like we said, called Hachi, A Dog's Tale. Although this one kind of changed it, like 
Hollywood likes to do. They took the story, they set it in America instead. He was an American professor and things like that. But the basic idea of the story is the same. Another movie based on Hachiko was made in 2015 by the name of Tommy. Interesting enough, it was actually made in the Telugu language, which is a language native to India. And But again, they took the idea of Hachiko and kind of made it their own. In other things such as TV and games, there is an episode of Futurama called Jurassic Bark, which is a nod to Hachiko. And it's so heartbreaking even now. Have you ever seen that one? I haven't seen the episode. Oh gosh, oh gosh, it is, oh, it's gonna make, it'll make you cry. It, every time I've seen it, I cry. <laughs> it's beautiful, but oh, poor dog. They've also made a play about Hachiko in Western Australia. In the manga, One Piece, there is a similar Hachiko tale, but this time the dog is named Shushu. You can even find a similar tale in Pokemon in one of their anime called Master Quest, where there is actually a story about a Ninetales who waits 200 years for her master to return. Disney has a nod towards Hachiko in the film Wally. Apparently there is a cockroach there who waits for the robot to return to Earth, and that's their homage to Hachiko. You haven't seen Wally? I've only seen like the first third. Oh, okay. You have to this weekend. You guys have to watch it. It's oh, it's so good. Wally is amazing. I'll be looking for the cockroach. <laughs> yes, look for the cockroach. And as a final note, the PS4 game called Persona Five. You can actually. It's set in Japan, in Tokyo. You can explore Shibuya Station and actually see the statue of Hachiko. Although they have changed the name of the dog in the game to. Buchiko. I wish I had known about this video game before I went to Tokyo, so I could have explored Shibuya Station, so the first time I went, I wouldn't have gotten so lost. That would have been a smart move. Yep. <laughs> there you go. My little tale about Hachiko and his owners and a bit of his legacy. I do hope you enjoyed it, Heather, and I hope everyone at home enjoyed it. Yeah, there's a there's quite a bit that you shared that I didn't know, so I'm really excited to hear about that, and it makes me makes me feel a little a little better because I feel like Hachiko still had a, a good, long and happy life because he still had someone to care for him. And so that he, even though he waited, you know, he wasn't sad and alone for, for so long, which is what always really broke my heart besides being separated from his, from Ueno-san. But yeah, there, some of the new things I didn't know and I had no idea that they had, how they even recorded Hachiko's bark. I mean, that's kind of... I guess 1932, they had the, the recording. They had recording technology at that point. And actually, it would have been a really good good time because I think they were transitioning from like silent films to like the talk, talkies, I guess. I'm not sure what they were called in, in Japan. And plus, I like the, the pop culture you put in there because, yeah, there is a lot of references to Hachiko's. This story... I mean, even if you've not heard it before, you've probably encountered this story before somewhere along mm. the way. So that was really good. Thank you so much. I'm glad. I do wonder what you have for us in today's literature corner. I'm wondering, is it themed for the episode or did you just strike out to find a new and interesting poem? You know, I, I belatedly thought about, oh, yeah, like actually when we were starting to talk, I'm like, oh, I should have found a poem about a dog. No, I did not. I wanted to find something today kind of light, um, just because I knew Hachiko was 
very sad story. So I wanted to have that that balance. So today's poet is a man by the name of Bison. And I have just a little bit of information about him. Uh, one, he was from Fushimi, which is an area south of Kyoto. I had to do a search in Japanese because I didn't really see his name in like my English searching. And it's kind of hard now to get out and get books at this point in time. So it is pretty much all internet. I think his full name may be Sone Baizan, but I'm not entirely sure. I've got to go and do more research but in Japanese, but it's kind of difficult because I do use a translation um, tool for my browser, but it doesn't always work. And then plus it translates things quite strangely sometimes. So I'm going to say perhaps this was his name. Now the poem itself comes from a paper poetry contest. We've talked about um, poetry contests before, but this is a paper one. Instead of reciting the poems out loud, each author sends in a written poem and it's not performed. It's just written and then sent to one person who then evaluates it and chooses the winner. This particular poetry contest was done by Takai Kito. And I also see an alternative name of Yahante. So I think that might have been his his poetry name. And he was he was a follower of Busan. The Busan we've talked about before, Yosa no Busan. Yes. Yes. Ah, okay. So this poetry um, written paper contest was held in 1786, and it says the tenth month in my notes here, which I am assuming means October. But at that point in time, I think the calendar was different. Uh, they weren't going on that Western calendar, calendar so um, the counting for that time was a little different than it is today. So it was the 10th month in 1786, and this poetry contest allowed for Quito to fulfill an obligation for his students, which was to get their poetry published. So this wasn't just a contest for poetry's sake, it was also, ah, I have to do this for my students. The information I have I don't think Bison won the poetry contest. I'm not for sure, but the notes do not indicate that he won. I think most likely probably not. The winning poem was put into a woodblock print, and the winning poem was also critiqued by Kito himself. I like the idea of a pa paper poetry contest, because that is something that you obviously you still have to this day submitting poems for a contest, submitting stories for a contest. It's, it's kind of interesting to see that the idea of it is quite an old concept, actually. Hmm. I did a quick search. There isn't actually much niche people you have found. Yes. Well, at least in English. So it's interesting. We're touching on things that aren't available in mm -hmm. English yet. Yeah, and I, I like kind of going off the the beaten path as it were, to try mm. to find uh, different people, different poems. And I mean, this poem itself too, it's a, this is a haikai. And this one, I like this one because it's, it's just very short and to the point. There's a lot of ideal of the um, like beauty in this poem as well. Okay. If you're ready, I will go ahead and read it. I'm ready. Mizutori no nao mutsumashiku. I think I managed to write the entire thing down in Japanese from listening to you. Ooh, what do you have? Mizutori, I'm assuming, is like water bird. 
Perfect. Waterfowl or something. Unfortunately, Naomotsumashiku, I'm not too sure about what that is. But Ame no Naka, you have Ame, which could mean rain, and Naka, which is like the middle or the center. Mm-hmm. So rain is falling in the middle of something. No, you, I'm wrong. Okay, no, so you actually, um, you, you went a little deeper than you needed to go, Ame no Naka, okay. in, in the rain. <laughs> so... You were you were like oh you're inside the rain okay mm. I like I like how you were like really giving it scholarly twist I'm like no it's actually way simpler than you think it is <laughs> just in the rain so I'm assuming the bird is in the rain but I'm not sure what the second line of the poem is so interestingly enough yeah me too and I tried to do some searching for that word but since I didn't have the con this is written in Romanji and not in Kanji. I'm not sure. So I did a couple of searches and it did not pull up what was translated. So the English, you've, you've gotten two lines out of the three, right? Water birds, even chummier in the rain. Even chummier as in more friendly. Yeah. So essentially when the rain's falling, they kind of all kind of huddle together to try to keep dry and warm. So they mm. are usually friendly birds. Well, it depends. But they all kind of keep together to, you know, be friendly to try to keep as dry as possible. Well, or just maybe not get as much rain on them because, I mean, waterfowl do mm. don't really get wet because of the protection of their feathers. But that gets into science and we won't go there today. Um, so, <laughs> um, but, but yeah, and the, yeah, I, I'm not really sure that Mutsumashiku, I mean, if, if anyone knows and you know the kanji, please share with us. That would be super great. And I'll do some more research into this myself. But yeah, it's going to be a little difficult because if this is, um, it's a combination of words. I'm just not sure how it's combined. But I don't know if there's one kanji, two kanji, if there's hiragana kanji, hiragana kanji, kanji, hiragana, hiragana. I'm not sure how it's written. And, and I mean, that's where we kind of also run into we need to know the kanji. And even then, you can have some leeway when you're when you're translating from the Japanese into English. It may not be a perfect translation. So this word could be words or word could be something similar along those lines, but that's how it was interpreted. So if you try to just do the straight English to Japanese, more than likely, especially for older poems, it's it's not going to pull it up. So like we have to search in Japanese. And I think this one yeah, the professor was not aware of this poet either because I, I asked him. He was like, oh, I've never heard of this one before. So I'd actually, you know, read it by him. So it's not a not a very popular poem. So I definitely pulled us way off from the popular poets. Well, I'm glad you found it. It's nice that we're doing stuff that's not as well known. Like sometimes we do do the super famous stuff because... It makes sense to. It's nice to talk about that and also develop it a bit further, but to find the stuff that's lesser known. It definitely makes me want to search more for things. And I mean, I like the fact that I don't know everything about this, which just means, oh, I get to do more research and more learning. And that, to me, starting out on that 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 path, <laughs> a little um, show in there, starting out on that path just to find out more is super exciting. Like, you don't always have to know everything when you're first starting out. You got to learn as you go. That is very true. Well, I'm glad you found that today. Thank you for it. Definitely. You are so welcome. But is that it for today? Are we ready to start signing off? I think so. Yeah. 
I want to say again, as usual, thank you all for listening today and thank you for continuing to listen lately. I know right now it's not the best of times for a lot of people out there, so thank you for still tuning in every week. Uh, thank you as well to the few new listeners we've had as well. That's really cool of you. Thank you. I'm going to say this now, so we will definitely do it for everyone. We have like a few bonus episode ideas lined up for the coming weeks, so next week we're going to have a bonus up for you guys, as well as our normal scheduled Friday episode. We'll not tell you what the bonus is, that can be a surprise, but for the main episode next week, my Cherry Blossom book is still not here. It has still not been delivered, but I'm determined to do that for you as soon as it arrives, don't worry. So I actually want to talk about modern history again, and I want to talk about Japan's first expedition to the Arctic. I thought it was quite interesting. I hope you guys do too. I don't know what Heather, if you will make a themed song or poem for next week. I look forward to finding out. I think I will try to find a theme. I'm I'm intrigued. I want to see what I can find. Well, I look forward to it then. That will be everything for me for today. Heather, do you have anything left to add before we sign off? I, I definitely want to follow up with Thomas's messages that you know everyone please take care we're glad you're here we will keep trying our best to bring you interesting informative sometimes exciting things about history and literature and mythology and whatever else we come across in our searches so thank you so much and uh yeah that's it all right then guys we will speak to you all next week then matane if you've enjoyed the Japan Archives, please consider checking out historyofjapan.co.uk, a database we are making on Japanese history. You can also find the show notes for all our episodes here. If you're on Instagram, you can follow my account over at nexus underscore travels, that's N-E-X-U-S underscore travels. We also have a Facebook and Twitter page, which you can find at Japan Archives. If you're interested in little slices of life in Japan, be sure to check out my website over at heatheroveryonder.com. Thank you for tuning in today. We hope you enjoyed the episode. And if you have any suggestions for future episodes, have anything you'd love to hear about, head on over to historyofjapan.co.uk and send us a message. If you enjoyed the show, please be sure to give us a rating and review over on iTunes. Thank you again for listening, guys. Until next time, bye. Matane.